Amen. Thank you so much, Mark. And a very warm welcome to every one of you. If you're visiting Northview for the very first time, welcome to Northview. My name is Ezra. I'm one of the pastors here, as you have heard. Uh, and I'd like to extend a warm welcome to those who are watching as well. My people at Real Life Campus in Surrey, uh, in Mission, in um, Central Abbotsford, East Abbotsford. Again, a very warm welcome to you over there. As Mark has mentioned, I have a very interesting text, and it is easy. This is a very controversial text, and it's a controversial text not just in our day, but was also controversial in the first century because it was very countercultural back there. And today you'll see people who will read this passage and they will say, you know what, we need to drag the Bible kicking and screaming into the 21st century. And you will know why pretty quickly here. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, verse 1 to 7. And this particular passage will talk about marital harmony in the home. And basically, it's how, how, how could we have a strong gospel witness in the home? where we now have marital harmony there. And in particular, when you're married to someone who is not a follower of Jesus. How do you maintain marital harmony there and be a strong gospel witness? And that would be the context of this passage. So we'll consider it in three main areas. The first, godly submission in the home. Second, godly character in the home, and then finally, godly honor in the home. So godly submission in the home, godly character in the home, and godly honor in the home. So the first, godly submission in the home. This is First Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. We'll do, we'll do those two, and then we'll keep going as we unpack this text uh, today. Likewise, Peter would write, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now, we'll stop there. Now, I'm sure there are some of you who are already recoiling right now because this passage basically talks about encouraging wives to be subject to their own husbands or submissive to their own husbands. And this is very countercultural in our day. Well, if you're already recoiling, can I just invite you to just pause and give me a moment here to unpack exactly what this passage means and then see what you think at the end of it. So verse one will begin with the word likewise. He'll say, likewise, wise be sub um, subject to your own husband. So, Likewise, other translations will say, in the same way. So in the same way to what? You may be wondering here. Well, in, we'll have to go back then to the previous chapter to see what he's been talking about there. So in the previous chapter, Peter has been unpacking to say, hey, Christians, for the sake of the gospel, so all Christians, for the sake of the gospel, you ought to keep your conduct honorable among unbelieving Gentiles. Keep your conduct honorable among unbelieving Gentiles. So how then are we to do this in an environment that is always very hostile towards Christians and the gospel? Because in Paul's day, 
And in Peter's day, in the first century, people were quite hostile toward the gospel. So how do you do that? And even today, even today, people are quite hostile toward the gospel. So then how do we keep our conduct honorable among unbelievers in our community? So Peter then will give us three ways, starting from chapter two and coming into three. The three ways would be, you know, submission to authorities, to your boss, and in today's text, in the home. So when he's talking about submission to the authorities, this includes, in his day, to Caesar, who happens to be the Roman emperor. And he says, be submissive to him, even though Caesar was not a very kind leader or a very kind emperor towards Christians. If anything, there were multiple emperors who were absolutely horrible toward Christians, and yet Peter would write to say, no, submission to the authorities, and Mark preached this passage. And then we also saw submission in the workplace. And so he's talking to slaves in the first century. And for us, the context today is submission to your boss in your workplace, regardless of whether your boss is good to you or not, regardless of whether the boss is a Christian or not. Peter would say submission in the workplace. And then today's text, Submission in the home, and particularly converted wives, convert women who are married, submitting themselves to unconverted husbands. And that is not going to be easy. So in all these instances, submit yourselves in such a way, Peter would say, that those who are above you, whom you're submitting to, would see that your submission is not because of a command that you've been given, no, but it's, there's a greater motivation behind your submission. And this motivation is your desire to honor and glorify your Lord. So there's a greater motivation behind this submission. Peter would command us in, in chapter two, verse 21, he will talk about how we follow the example of Christ who submitted himself to those who were basically going to kill him and crucify him as he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And whom, who was Christ entrusting himself to? Of course, the Father. And so Peter then will say, you know, follow the example of Christ. So if we were to take that thinking and now shove it into our text, it would read something like this. Verse one, likewise, wives, as you entrust yourself to, to God by obediently submitting yourselves to his plan and his purpose, be subject then to your own husbands, even if some do not obey the word, meaning they are not converted, they are not Christians, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see their respectful and pure Conduct. So again, here it is a gospel motivation that Peter would say to the wives. He'll talk to the husbands in a bit and we'll get there. But Peter will say, gospel motivation to the wives. Be sub, be, submit yourself to your husband for the sake of the gospel. So in chapter 3 verse 1, there's this word, be subject. So be subject basically means, or the thrust of this word basically means this voluntary willingness to submit. So it is a voluntary, willful submission with the implication of following another's lead. Now, it does not mean, 
It does not mean that the husband is her boss. To boss her around, go fetch this or go fetch that. It doesn't mean that the wife doesn't have a voice either. It does not mean that he always gets his way. You see here in our Western world, and the reason why people say, drag this past, drag the Bible, kicking and screaming into the 21st century. People in our society today, in our culture today, will say, hey, you know what? Let us reject this whole idea of women submitting to their husbands because, and they're saying this because of this desire to break away from past prejudices that have been imposed on women. And of course, yes, we live in a fallen world, of course, where women have been and they still are abused, exploited. Women have no voice, equal rights. Travel around the world and you'll see this firsthand in many countries and in some cases, even here in Canada, the exploitation of women continues to just run amok. And so people in our culture would say, you know what, let's reject this idea of submission. So in the ancient times, in the ancient world, it was even worse than it is today. Why? Because wives had no personal friends. So her friends would have to be her husband's friends. And she had to adopt the faith of her husband and worship the same gods her husband worshiped. Why? Because they believed prosperity and well-being depended on the gods. Now the problem is if the wife now converts and becomes a Christian and exclusively begins to worship Jesus Christ, oh my goodness, this could be costly to a husband. Why? Because he might be embarrassed and if people know that, hey, you know, his wife is, is a Christian, all of a sudden, this man in society might be disqualified from receiving positions of honor or he might not even be elected into a prominent position. Why? Because his wife has chosen to abandon the gods. And not only that, depending on the specifics and social expectations of that day, conversion had far-reaching implications on the well-being of the home. Because people will ostracize the husband of this converted woman. And so Peter knows all these things and yet, and yet he will say to the wives, submit yourselves to the husband. The question is why? Why does he say this? Why does he say that women should be subject to their husband? It's not because the woman is inferior or less of value than her husband before the Lord. If anything, in, in verse seven, which we'll see in a few minutes here, wives are co-heirs with their husbands of this grace, co-heirs. So in other words, it's not that the wife is superior, because, I mean inferior to her husband. This is not what Peter is saying. It's not because the woman is intellectually or morally weaker than a man, no. So why the exhortation? For this purpose and this purpose only. The purpose is for the proclamation of Christ and bringing the kingdom of God to bear in the home. This is why. The purpose here is gospel proclamation, gospel witness in the home. See, the wife's reverence for the Lord is her motivation for her submission toward her husband. Her faith might cause antagonism. 
Her faith may cause some stress. And even as, as, as her faith causes stress upon her because the husband may not be accepting of her religious affiliations here, she is to endure for the sake of the gospel. I'll repeat that. Yes, her becoming a Christian may be a source of antagonism in the home, but she is to endure for the sake of the gospel. Now, let me pause the sermon and make a very important point here. And the point is this. Submission does not mean that you remain in a physical, physically abusive or life-threatening situation. So, dear wives, as you're listening or watching, may I say this? Submission does not mean that you remain in a physically abusive relation, relationship or a life-threatening situation. And in some cases, even an emotional abusive situation, you will need to seek help for that. Submission does not mean you remain in this situation. Not only that, it does not mean that you live in isolation. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't seek help from others around you. That's not what submission means. So what's the end goal if she is submitting then to her husband? Notice again, look again in verse 1 and 2 if you have your Bibles. Likewise, likewise wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if they do not obey the word. So the reason for the submission, even if they don't obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. They may be one, what? Into salvation by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So again, why is he talking about that husbands may see? Does it mean that the wife doesn't need to share the gospel again in first century? Women would never presume to instruct their husbands. Unlike today, where wives can share and instruct and share the opinion, that was not the case in first century. And so a woman would never presume to instruct her husband, who might be harsh or mean toward her. And therefore, Peter would say, hey, that they may see your respectful and pure Conduct. So Peter here again encouraging wives to voluntarily, to willingly submit to their own husbands, even those who do not follow Jesus for the sake of the gospel. So the wife is to submit to her husband in such a way that she reaches her husband through his eyes, is what Peter would say. And then he goes on in verse 2, when they see your respectful conduct. So they will, they will experience the respect you're, you're giving them and wonder, my goodness, there is something about her. So you're respecting him and submitting him to him not because of him, not because he's better than you. No, you're submitting willfully and voluntarily because you're honoring your Lord who is calling you to do that for this man's sake that he may come to know Christ. This is why Peter would say, submit. But that's not the only thing 
he says. He also says, point number two, godly character in the home. Look at verse three. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is precious. For this is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord. And you are children. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So, to be clear, to be clear here, Peter is not forbidding, he's not forbidding the, the appropriate use of jewelry or cosmetics or nice clothes. No, no, no. What Peter is doing here is contrasting the external perishable beauty with internal imperishable beauty. So I'll give us an example here. Now, we all know that in our culture, the way you dress, you're sending a message in the way you dress. So I'll give you an example. So um, many years ago, I was applying to be a young adult pastor in one of the churches here in the lower mainland. So I was very excited. It was one of the big gigs that I was going to get as a young pastor. I was very excited. And so I applied and I was invited to this interview. And so I decided, you know what? I knew the, 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 the board of elders in this particular church had a lot of business people there. So I decided, you know what? I will dress to the nines. So I'll put on a nice suit and I look at my wife because we had to, I had to go with my wife. So I told my, honey, you got to dress to the nines. And so dress nicely, make up everything. And I was with a suit and tie and everything. And we show up to this interview, myself just looking like as though I was going to a wedding. And I was going to this interview, and in my mind, I had assumed that when I do this and I'm meeting these business individuals who are f part of the elder board in this church, hey, I will impress them. It's a way, it's my way to show my respect. I'm not just going to show up wearing a baseball cap and runners or sandals into an interview like this. And many of us will do the same thing. Like you dress up, if you're going to, for, for a big job, you dress up. You'd have your hair done. You'll make sure someone looks at you and says, yeah, you look okay now, and you're rehearsing what you're gonna say, rehearsing what you're gonna say. And the point being, point being, the way you dress, you make an impression, even though sometimes that impression is not true. You make an impression. What Peter is saying here is, your beauty should not come from outward adornment. Your beauty ought not to come out from outward adornment, but rather it should come from your inner person that continues to be transformed by the gospel. And such inner beauty is imperishable and precious in God's sight is what Peter says. It's interesting in the, in the ancient world when women would have braids, the ones who would have braids and makeup, those were ways for seduction and deception. And so you would see a woman who's dressed like that and you'd wonder, okay, is she trying to corn me? She's trying to seduce, is she trying, what is she trying to do here in the ancient world? And so basically what Peter is saying here is, no, 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 let your adornment not come from, let, let, your, let, let your influence in the society, let your perception, what others perceive of you, let it not be based on outward adornment, 
but rather the inner person that is shaped by the gospel. And so he gives an example of Sarah here. And the example of Sarah, he mentioned that, hey, you know what? She called Abraham Lord. So husbands, please don't go home and tell your wife now, call me Lord. That's not going to go down very well. Let me give context. Let me give context here. So in Africa, so I come from Kenya, and I also speak Swahili. So in, in Kiswahili, a national language in, in, in Kenya, there's a word called mze. And mze is a word you would use to someone who's be a dad, an elder statesman. You'd use the term to address even the president of Kenya. You would call him mze. And this, this word, it's, it's a name that is loaded with respect and honor. And you are basically the one whom you call Mze, you're saying, you know, I am willing and voluntarily submitting to your leadership. Not because, hey, you know what, you're the best leader in the world. No, but I recognize your authority. I recognize your position and therefore I am choosing to extend respect to you. And so when Sarah here, it's mentioned that she calls Abraham Lord. And by the way, the scriptures don't tell us anywhere where we don't see a conversation between Abraham and Sarah where she actually calls him Lord directly. We don't see that in the scriptures, but we see her behind the tent when the Lord comes and he's talking to Abraham saying, hey, you'll have a kid this time next year. And she now, she's now under her breath behind the tent wondering, she's 90 years old, surely will I have this pleasure as a 90 year old to be a mom? Will I bless my Lord, Abraham? Is where we see it, there. So basically, what do we see and what is Peter trying to say here? What Peter is trying to say here is Sarah had honor. Now I'll say, we see this honor, and I see this honor in North America in, in various uh, conversations. When I'm talking to a lady and she's talking about her husband, I will very quickly, the way she talks about him, and the way she will refer to him will tell me very quickly whether she honors the man she married or not. Very quickly. Just by the words she says and the terms she will use and how she will ask, hey, let me go and talk to him first. And the way she will say that, all of us would know this. You'll quickly clue up, clue in to whether she's, she's actually honoring him or not. And if we're in Africa, she probably would name him Mze. There's this willful, voluntary submission of a holy woman who hopes in the Lord. Look at verse five. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. So hoped in God, what does this mean? To, to be a holy woman who hopes in God means you're looking to God as the source of your strength, your holiness, your provision, and your protection. You're looking to who? To God. Not necessarily to the husband who you're submitting to, but you're looking to God for strength. You're looking to God for provision, for protection, and for holiness. But it's not just the wives. 
It's not just the wives that Peter will address here when he's talking about a gospel witness in the home. Third point, godly honor, godly honor in the home. So obviously we've seen those first two, submission in the home and character in the home, and those would be controversial in our day, particularly the submission one, but this one would have been controversial in the first century. Notice he will say, likewise, there is that word again. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a wicker vessel. We'll talk about that in a minute. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Oh my. What is he talking about? So again, we see the word likewise there. And as you see the word likewise, again, he is talking about just as wives for the sake of the gospel were to submit voluntarily to their husbands. Therefore, husbands, they are called to live with their wives in an understanding way, showing honor to their wives. So what does this live with mean? Let me pause here and say and unpack in the first century. A wife, for many husbands, was like property. So a man would have multiple wives. The more wives you have, the more hands can do tasks that need to be done around the home. The more children you may be able to have. The more chances of you having many sons. And so some men treated their wives as property. This is bad. This is terrible. But this is what happened in the first century. And so now when Peter comes along and now he's telling these men who have been treating their wives poorly, even though that's how society would say, yeah, that's great. Even though society had affirmed the way that these men were treating their wives, Peter comes along and says, hey, you are to live with your wife in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. So what does this um, living with mean? It basically means that the husband ought to be in close relationship physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. This never happened in the first century. It never happened in the first century. So the husband had to be in close relationship with his wife, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Not only that, he had to live with his wife in an understanding way. What does this mean, in an understanding way? And men, pay attention if you're married here. To have this deep appreciation of your wife, And not just a deep appreciation, to perceive her most intimate desires and personal needs. To know her unspoken concerns and worries. And helping her to work through those carefully in a caring manner. This is a moment by moment understanding of one's wife. Husbands, is that how you're loving your wife today? Would you say... If I was to ask your spouse, if I, was, if I was to ask your wife, does your husband deeply appreciate you? Do you feel that he deeply appreciates you? Do you perceive 
that he understands your most intimate desires and personal needs, even your unspoken concerns and worries. Fellas, if I was to ask your wife whether you love her this way, would she say yes? That he, if I asked her, is he walking with you moment by moment in an understanding way? I'll let that sit for a moment. Let's jump to the next. He will talk about how husbands to show honor. Honor to the wife as a weaker vessel. Now, let's talk about this weaker vessel for a bit so we can get it out of the way. So in many, in many um, commentators, they will argue to say, you know what, weaker vessel because, hey, the man is strong. So if my dear wife was here, Tamara, you'll see she's little, and here I am, I'm big. I'm more fat than big, but whatever. So... <laughs> She, she, she's little, and here I am. So, of course, if, I, if, if we needed to move a heavy piece of furniture, I would lift it. She'd go, honey, come and lift this couch or lift this chair, whatever it is that we're moving. I'll grab the heavy end of it, what it is that we are moving. So we may say, some may say, you know what, that's what it means. That she's a weaker vessel in the sense that she's not as strong as I am. So they'll give this uh, illustration of, you know, a beer mug, not a beer glass, but a beer mug and a wine glass. So let's say you're doing the dishes at a friend's house. You had been invited, you had dinner, whatever, you're helping out, things like that. You're doing the dishes and there's this beer mug that you're washing and then the wine glass. So beer, beer mug, oh, you're chatting away and you're doing the thing, no problem. But the wine glass, you're paying attention because you know you can easily nick this thing on the edge and it shatters. So they may say this is how, okay, in the context of this passage, there's an element of that for sure. There's an element of that to be sure, but, but it's not just physical strength or courage. It's not that only. See, in the first century, women were considered wicked vessels because women were denied they were denied by society social entitlement and social empowerment. That's what they were denied. Wrongfully were denied. And so now Peter would come, come on here and say, honor. This word honor means to cherish, to exalt as something priceless, something worthy, something to be cherished. So now here, She's now not property, she's someone to be cherished and honored. Why? Because she's a co-heir. That was a bomb in first century. Huge bomb. So counter-cultural here. It would be jaw-dropping in the first century. That he would esteem her highly. Fellas, question. If I was to ask your wife whether you honor her, would she say yes? Or would she say no? <laughs> Someone's listening. Would she say yes or no? Husbands were to honor, to cherish their wives. Why? Because they were heirs with them. 
Wives are heirs with them of the grace of life. So before God, before the Lord, man and woman, husband and wife, will stand before the throne of Christ as equals. We will stand before the throne of Christ as equals. So fellas, the way you treat your wife, the way you treat the women in your life, honor is the command. Honor is the command here because she's a co-heir with you before the Lord. And also secondly, and most interestingly, Peter would say, so that your prayers may not be hindered. What in the world does prayer have to do with what he's talking about here? So that your prayers may not be hindered. So what Peter is saying here is basically this. A man who's abusive with his authority, a man who's using his authority in, a, in an abusive way over his wife, even with society's approval, God will not listen to your prayer. What a warning. God ain't gonna listen to you. If you're using your authority in an abusive way over your wife, Peter then warns, he's warning Christian men. Yeah, God ain't gonna listen. It'd be equivalent to my children. When I'm in the home and, 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 and my wife and I decide to leave and we say, hey, you will be in charge and make sure everybody else does this. And then we leave, we go for a day to do whatever. And then we come back a few hours later and we find the one who had the authority to be in charge was basically beating up and bullying the rest and just shoving his authority or her authority over the other kids. What would I say? And then when I walk in, they come running, daddy, 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 what did you bring for me? Daddy, 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 I need this, I need that. And then the others now come crying to say, Dad, you know what, this is what she did or this is what he did. What am I gonna do? Am I going to listen to the one who I left in charge and listen to their needs? Am I going to pay attention to their needs? Or will there be a consequence? I will not listen. I will not listen. It's a very interesting very interesting text where men are called, husbands are called to honor their wives so that their prayers may not be hindered. So here's a question then for those who are married in our midst. Is this the mindset that you have? Is this the mindset that you have regarding marriage, the marriage that you have? Is this the mindset you have? When we talk about gospel, in the home, godly submission, you know, godly honor within the home. Is, is, this, is this how we view marriage? Now, for those of us who are here, you may say, you know what, Ezra, I am not married and therefore this passage doesn't really mean much to me. Let me go back to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. This is what Jesus said. If anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
If anyone were to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So a passage like this, even though it may not directly apply to you, the point here is this. These are part of the implications. When you say you're a disciple of Jesus, this is what it means. And it does you well to know, it would suit you to know what the implications of following Jesus are. What is Jesus calling his, how is Jesus calling his people to live is the point. And for those who are married, this is what it means. For those who are married, godly submission in the home, godly character in the home, and godly honor in the home. This is what it means. So if you're here and you're desiring marriage, this is what it means. And for those who are married now to unbelieving spouses, this is what it means. Now you may say, man, it's hard to live this way. It is hard to submit. It is hard to have godly character when he is like this and when she is like that. It is hard to honor her when she is like this and when he is like that. Well, how about we pray and ask the Spirit of God to fill us with his grace so that we may live this way. So let's pray. Father, we commend ourselves to you today. These three things that you have put before us, godly submission, godly character, and godly honor are not easy to live out. And so Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters, I pray for myself that Lord, you would enable us, enable me, to live my life this way. Enable my brothers and sisters to live our lives this way for the sake of the gospel. Commend ourselves now to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. amen.